Hi, and welcome to This Full Life, a platform dedicated to inspirational conversation, courageous individuals, and my desire to learn more about the world I live in. I'm Tara Davis. I am so happy to have everybody joining us today. Welcome back. I am welcoming back Danny Neifert for part two of our discussion of identity, gender identity. You can catch the first episode um, in last week's show, but if you didn't listen to it, I'm going to give you just a quick recap and how this conversation evolved with Danny and how I was so intrigued by the whole topic and the conversation that I had with Danny. Um, she has had long-term relationships with men, has children, been divorced, still dated men, <laughs> then found herself gradually noticing her attraction to her now fiance, Evelyn. It um, created confusion. This, and again, I'm just paraphrasing from what the, the conversation that Danny and I had. Confusion and wonderment and curiosity, which is what took her to do research into human gender identity, which I know, Danny, took you down many paths. So welcome back. Thanks for joining again. Yes, yes. And I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so give us, for those who didn't have the opportunity yet, and this will probably make them want to listen if they haven't listened to the first one, give us again a quick recap of your journey and all of the curiosity and wonderment that led you to do the research of the topic that we're talking about, gender identity. Sure. Well, I... Uh... I fell in love. <laughs> it's, it's really as simple as that. When, when you fall in love, you become so interested in anything about it, you know? Yeah. So I have fallen in love, you know, not only with people, but with sports and, you know, places over my lifetime. So when one falls in love, you just want to find everything out about it. And so... Tell us what took you to, what kind of research did you start doing when you decided, I think I love this woman, which had been up to that point, completely different. You had been in love with men. And so what took you, what research, what made you start looking and saying, okay, I got to figure this out? Well, <laughs> it's just really confusing. Yeah. But I was able to sort it out pretty quickly. Um, and, and I've been working with polarity with masculine and feminine principles. I mean, we all <laughs> participate in this phenomenon since the time we're born. So it didn't take me too long to sort it out. And what I found out was that, well, to summarize it for people who didn't hear the, the, first, the first interview, was that, is that body identity isn't the primary thing that decides polarity. <laughs> 
there's something called internal core essence that is has the final word and it's something that you're actually born with and most of us are born cisgendered it's called where our internal identity matches our body identity and so the majority of the population falls into that box but there is a range in there too so your internal identity could be a could be maybe it could be right down the middle <laughs> but it's usually like 60 percent when one way or 70 percent in one way i mean it's a range it's a whole it's a whole range of of how gender can meld with your internal identity core and so with evelyn she identifies as a man always has been and always has ever since you know she her first knowings of herself and so it was easy to sort out that well i am just attracted to masculine energy like beyond the form so it turns out i i'm i mean <laughs> and this is where the words get funny i mean the, who you know what is how do you define what, what is a lesbian how do you define what is gay and i think the conventional way is when they're looking at the, the physical body so they're like same-sex relationships, and I think that's technically how our society refers to as you know gay and lesbian relationships. But if, if you, as you take a closer look to those relationships, they're working with the the universal poles of masculine and feminine, just pushing the body aside <laughs> and taking a look at this this other thing, this other dimension that. Um, is more powerful than the body in a certain way. <laughs> and I love that you are explaining this and expressing this because when you and I had first started texting about um, exploring this topic together, you said, because I, I had said, let's talk about this piece of, you know, you becoming lesbian. And you said, I don't, even, I don't even relate to that, which I thought that was awesome because I feel like that's probably, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, that would have taken me down the road of exploration of like, but I don't identify with that label. So where am I coming from? What is this that's, that's happening? And so I love that you just don't even identify with that label. And it is, it's just a label. Right. That, nor, that nor, does, nor does Evelyn in a way, because she's technically, I think I broke this down too in the previous interview. I can't remember if there's five or six different categories, if we have to, you know, <laughs> so, you know, but our mind wants to understand these things. So I understand, but um, I did list out some of the possible ways that these things come together. Like there's the transgender, there's transgender, there's bigender, there's gender fluid. There's, um, I can't remember. I can't remember them. No, cisgender, right. cisgender. Yeah, I think there maybe is. Oh, and intergender, and th that's for bodies that are that actually reflect reflect both genders. So, um, so anyways, but moving on from there, um, the next thing to understand is that there's three moving parts to helping people understand what's happening <laughs> to the normal cisgender person that like can't understand you know what all this is about and gets confused because there's a lot going on there's basically three moving parts and that's your internal core identity who you're attracted to and of course your 
who your, what your body identity is. And so you can apply those three things, but know that they're interchangeable. And those are the three main parts as to what's happening between people, <laughs> just so that people can kind of understand. Yeah. Okay. And so to further our conversation, I know you wanted to start with tantric and indigenous viewpoints. So let's talk about that. Sure. Um, well, the, the traditional, the tantric lineage that I'm most familiar with, and so I'm not, there's so many different lines, so I can't speak mm. to some of the others, but that viewpoint the way they have it is that each person is born with exactly the same amount of feminine and masculine essence, like precisely exactly equal 50, 50, 50% man, 50% woman. Every person is born with this. And that's, and then they, they talk about something called preference where from that place of equal, equal parts and equal amounts of each you know, people have endless amounts of preference around that. And that's interesting to me because I think that there's truth to that. Like every person that's born ha has both, you know, in perhaps equal amounts on certain levels, you know? So I think that that statement's not, not, not false. It's true. It's not completely wrong, but then it doesn't exactly explain somebody like Evelyn and, and a lot of other non-binary people where it's pre, there's with preference, it implies a choice <laughs> like, Oh, I could go either way, but I like this one. And so where like Evelyn, like she would, she's often said like, why would anybody be choose to be born this way? Like it's right. being gay or lesbian, you know, to use those words. <laughs> um, or somebody to be born into the opposite of their body. You're just born how you're born and there's no choice involved. Like it's just your job to discover what your internal core essence is. Mm -hmm. And there's, and it's not, a, it's not a choice. And so that's where it's just interesting to look at the different viewpoints, whereas that's tantrically what I'm familiar with. And I think it's true to a degree that we each have equal amounts of both. And there's another, there's something else in there for me personally that I've, that I've discovered where preference doesn't completely explain, you know, why we're born with the preferences we're born with that aren't a choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, and it doesn't. I'm just thinking of men who are so flamboyant I personally love to see that expression of themselves. And I think um, by and large, they are so comfortable in that expression of themselves. And I often wish, God, couldn't we all just be so expressive and be okay with that? So in saying that, you're still saying that they are born with that 50-50. They're just going a different direction with it. Wait, like you're talking specifically about flamboyant, like the stereotypical, the flamboyant gay, gay man. Guy. Yeah. Well, I think that there's something generically to be gained from that statement that we all have equal parts. And I feel like there's another level of, there's something else that doesn't explain, you know, we aren't all born exactly the same and we're all afraid to say it because right. <laughs> because of discrimination basically right. and so 
the place that I, I want everything to go is we, I want to be able to notice all of our differences because, and then have them be celebrated. Like it's okay that there people are born and expressed differently. Right. <laughs> and, and like, let's just admit it and celebrate it and make room for all of us and move on. Yeah. So, I mean, my statement would be about the stereotypical, like gay flamboyant man. I mean, there's a lot of feminine essence in that internal core. I mean, perhaps all the way by gendered, even perhaps because there's a range and the, um, the profundity that these men, you know, with the internal feminine core express femininity is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it's just beautiful beyond words how they've devoted themselves to the feminine principle by way of how they're born and how they express that. I mean, they sometimes have more acceptance of, of the feminine principle than a lot of, you know, just normal women walking around because mm -hmm. they were, they've never, you know, <laughs> had to, they've never been torn about expressing it or not expressing it. It's just part of their nature. But when you're born a certain way and it's not, necessarily correct in your in in your culture or social situations and you you just express who you are at your core anyways there's there's a lot of there's a lot of beauty to that mm. and so the three um three basic moving parts oh right yep yep let's talk about that well just that they're entertained you know they're when you see somebody and you're just like confused about, you know, what's going on, you know, you can be like, okay. So you can kind of start to understand it if you're like, oh, okay, this person identifies as this. And that's why, and usually it's opposites that people are attracted to. So right. that can sometimes explain why they're attracted to their opposite. But I wanted to back up real fast and yeah. just throw in the indigenous piece that indigenous cultures before before the colonization, the British colonization and the Spanish Inquisition, before all that happened, all indigenous cultures all over the world embraced these people that were non-binary. They were in fact made shaman, made into shamans, you know? So there was an inclusiveness and an intactness around this older way <laughs> that it's only become within the more recent years that things fell I mean, even Roman times, there was so much, there was, you know, so much being accepted around that. But so I just wanted to like throw that in that it's, there's a lot of, just to help people understand that a lot of the discrimination and things that are coming, that are out now, like, aren't, you know, aren't as old as the hills, <laughs> as people <laughs> would like to think, you know. Yeah, and it's just interesting that you brought this component to the surface because I love that the differences have been celebrated and that you brought that up that the differences have been so celebrated throughout history. It's just been recently that mm -hmm. we choose to be so critical of mm -hmm. others who are different. I mean, you know, even taking it simplistic as a such a simplistic level, you know, when we're all growing up in grade school, everyone just wants to be like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And so suppressing that uniqueness and that individuality of just ourselves, not even from the standpoint of what you and I are discussing, but just that, that standpoint, how can we 
bring this back? I mean, we have so much more to talk about. But. Right. And I think it's just through understanding. It's the club of sameness, you know, as everybody, and that, you know, and it's not a bad, I mean, people, and we see the world as we see ourselves. And so for a normal cisgendered person that's never experienced anything outside of that, they're just like, what, how could this be? Like, I can't, they can't even imagine like yeah. what it would be like if what, you know, if it was any different. So because there is variety. The fact of the fact is, is that there is variety in this planet in so many different ways. And so understanding the variety, I think, is the way that we can get back to celebrating it rather than discriminating against it. Mm -hmm. But the point that you just brought up about resonance that we just started started to dip into is really important, like sameness, you know, we and that is a component that's really important in relationship, like just in partner relationship. And ultimately, that's what makes good long-term relationships is the right balance between sameness and opposition, resonance and opposition. So ultimately, it's both of those things that we need in ample amounts because the opposition is for growth and the sameness is just for ease and comfort. That, I'm so glad you said that because that was my next question. How does that play out? in relationship, the opposition. I mean, we all know, you know, the quote opposites attract, but how does that really logistically, yeah, play out? Well, I mean, the facts that opposites attract is just, it's just plain physics. Ultimately, it's just that simple opposites attract. That's an arc. (laughs) Yeah. That's very, that's very clear. It feels very electric. Relationship. I can see it, you know, all the Mm -hmm. time. Right. And, and so it's easy to understand, like in so-called straight relationships, like, you know, the feminine and the masculine, and there it is. And there's a whole other realm that same sex, same bodied identified people are working with. So there's resonance, just the way that there is in a normal, in a, you know, normal relationship. Normal is such a funny word. Right. (laughs) Okay. And then, um, because me and Evelyn, we have the same body type. We're both in a female body. And at the same time, we're working with a ton of polarity because she identifies as a man. And so even in same-sex bodied people, there's a, there's a whole universe to be discovered of, of range of, op, of opposition and polarity. And so that's something that a lot of, you know, um, cisgendered people <laughs> that have never been in any other kind of relationship have no idea about. And I've run into that a little bit you know, like, oh, um, like, you know, women aren't, you know, women couples aren't really having sex. Um, I've run it, you know, you just, you hear that you, you know, you run into some things in certain circles and the, it's, it's just not true. The people's that people that are in same sex body relationships are actually working with polarity in a way that's very deep and very profound and very nuanced, you know, and things in a way that sometimes just go over the head of, of some, of some other people. Like they're, they're so trained to look at what polarity is in a cultish stand in a stereotyped way, in a gross way, a big way, like Barbie and Ken, like it has to look like Barbie and Ken and fit that stereotype that we're tradi- traditionally trained as consumers to recognize yeah. as masculine and feminine that there's universes that, that people aren't perceiving. And I'm so glad you tapped into that because that was going to be my next um, statement was just that we are so conditioned to see sex when you said sex 
-hmm. we are so conditioned to seeing it in one way. And again, it's been through a religion that has said this is the same, this is the only way. And so you're, you are such a game changer, which is fantastic because you are setting the stage for us to look at so many different avenues and to get, get outside our boxes and to see it in all the other ways that are available and bringing that veil down so that we can see so many other different ways, so many other perspectives of living and of life and of loving. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, it's, it's a touchy subject, <laughs> you know, these days, like gender and sexuality, these are all touchy subjects and I'll, there's some, there's some places too, where it gets a little sticky. Like I'll take it a little, we'll take it one step further. You know, there's this, there is this concept of internal identity essence, like finding and discovering basically, because you're born this way <laughs> of, yeah. you know, how much of each do you have ish? Because it's not like it's, oh, it's 62.532, you know, <laughs> it's not like that, but there is definitely a range. Um, and so it, it's finding that, but there's also some, some, there's a couple of things that, that where it gets a little sticky and confusing and gray for people. And it's the concept of something about a false masculine or feminine shell. This is a concept that David Data brought to the public in his books years ago. And I think there's some truth to it. There is this place, like, first of all, we're born in a particular way in our core essence. And we need to just discover beyond any external, anything external, what that is and be that. And then there's also this, this phenomena that happens that as people cover up woundings and have to survive in the world, that the, one of the strategies is to grow a false masculine shell or a false feminine shell mm -hmm. that isn't really true to what your internal core essence is. Mm -hmm. And so that can get a little more confusing in a certain way. Like the, the conversations can get a little bit more controversial um, in that way. And then the other thing is that as we're learning, as we're exploring ourselves and learning these things, and as we're also gathering skills throughout our life, there's also something called skill mimicking, which could be part of, it could, it's part of a developmental stage, but it could also be part of, of uh, it could look like it was a false masculine or feminine shell. And so these are, and you know what, I think a, a good way for me to maybe talk about how these things are, I'm just going to tell a quick story. Wow. Um, this, this is coming to me. So years ago, after, it was like after my divorce, and I'd been a stay-at-home mom for seven years. So I was 25. It's coming out. I mean, I'd, I'd done some my skincare stuff. I've done that did some trade shows, but it was not like I was a big earner, you know, because I was taking care of my two children. And so after my first job, I was a river guide. <laughs> and the people who the folks who ended up training me were it was an all boys boathouse in Colorado. And they kind of laughed at me when I went in, but they ended up hiring me and they ended up training me. <laughs> and it was interesting because I went through this stage where I was mimicking them 
getting that you learning how to be in the river on a on a giant raft and i had to mimic them because they were teaching me right and somebody could have looked at me then from the from the the masculine and feminine cult cops oh my god she's being so masculine she's never going to find a boyfriend or you know what i mean like how could she do that she's so you know these things yeah. right um and I was just learning a new skill and I was copying it the way that I was being taught it, which was by men. Mm -hmm. And so I finally was able to start learning it and, you know, making that skill my own. And I was able to get down the river doing the so-called masculine thing, but in a very feminine way, making it my own because my internal essence is, is feminine. I mean, I, I was born, I'm born this way and that's never going to change. And so even doing something masculine is never going to make me masculine. Mm -hmm. And even learning a masculine skill, I will just turn it and do it as a, as a woman, mm -hmm. <laughs> do it the feminine way. And so this series of events, like for one, I had at 25, I had been very feminine. I hadn't cultivated my earning capacities and I hadn't been out in expanded my masculine gifts you know at 25 i'd been kind of sheltered in a certain way and i'd been studying you know mothering in this whole other way so for me to step out at 25 and start working in the world was fantastic it was it means exactly what i needed to do as an individual because being able to take care of myself and fulfill my masculine gifts is part of what makes me a better woman and a better person all around so it's good I like I stepped out I expanded myself in that way and had to go through these little um, developmental you know um, squeezes where I was just trying to like figure some stuff out but then ultimately the way I take a boat down the river it and if I could have, I could have possibly been stuck in there and like worn that false masculine shell, like it could have hardened, you know, in me. And I could have made that like my whole thing, like I'm tough now and I'm a woman and I'm doing this and this is how it is. And that, you know, but I just, I kept moving with it. It was, it was the developmental stage that eventually I was able to refine and let my internal essence and core shine through, shine through all those things. And so and that's, that's an interesting, that's a good point to make because there is this thing called a masculine and feminine cult in the modern tantric scene in America where people are so afraid of being too masculine or too feminine in order to be spiritual. I, it's true. <laughs> have you heard of, have you, I don't know if you've been around any of this. No. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's just part of, if you want to practice if you want to, you know, be spiritual and practice tantric sex, then there's a lot of, there's this whole thing around, you have to be feminine, you have to be masculine, it has to look like this, or you're not spiritual enough. There is a touch of that. Some of my, some of my listeners might, might be hip to this. There is, there is that going on. And, and it, it's very, it can be just really restrictive because skills are, have no gender. Right. There aren't, feminine and masculine skills 
you know, and everybody, let's go back to this tantric understanding is that everybody has both. Mm -hmm. And it's your responsibility as an individual to, to expand and integrate both aspects of yourself. And I would add another thing is to uncover and discover exactly what your born internal core identity is. Okay. So in saying that with everything that you have just said, and you said, I would encourage everyone to discover Mm -hmm. how does one even start this discovery journey? So, and I think, let me just add this as well. I think this was a great example that you gave um, of being a river guide, which is so badass. (laughs) Oh, it was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) But so what came to me as you were talking was the, um, the picture of for you at that time, it was literally, and when we were talking about the shells of the masculine and feminine and being born into a, and I will just use a male. So being born into a masculine body, maybe not realizing that they are feminine or using that shell, you were almost, as you used your example of being a guide on the river, it was almost um, a part of your, your necessity, your survival mode. And so I thought that was actually from this perspective was a great example because for you to literally survive going down the river, like the Colorado river, holy crap, you had to have these skills. They were very masculine skills that you had to have to navigate yourself and all of the people that came with you through this journey. Right. And so you had to use that very masculine essence. And so that was your shell of survival. And so I'm wondering if this doesn't correlate into as well, men and women using that shell as a survival mode to get through their life until they've realized there's something else available. Completely. Right. Right. I mean, there's this place where skill development and false masculine shell, like they blur, you know, they can be easily confused and well, and that ultimately like what makes a false masculine or feminine shell is when it's covering a wound. Mm two like that's another that's another way to differentiate between the two and you know these false masculine and feminine shells like they're not wrong they're they're just part of the sequence of getting to the next thing of course like what like you know like which is exactly what you're pointing to and since we're talking about gender in this like big way i'll throw in something else that sometimes confuses people that it's good to differentiate is there is something called the gender fluid group. I think I listed them like, you know, right before we started. And those are folks that they have so much of both. They're probably right, you know, really close, 55, 45, 50, 50. Like they have, their internal core, they're born with so much of it that they literally can, perhaps when they're younger, week to week, they, you know, these people can literally be a man one week and then the next month they could be expressing as a female or they could go through long periods in their life where like for, you know, 10 or 15 years, they, they're expressing as one gender and then hit another phase in their life and they're expressing as a different gender. And I think out of all the different types that we listed earlier, I think that's the type 
that's the people that get the most that that they're kind of a wild card that is thrown in that confuses people the most and then they think they don't understand any of it right <laughs> you know <laughs> so i mean and it, you know they're so those people do exist and the 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 sticky part on that is that people just need to explore and not be judged to expand both their masculine and their feminine sides so for those so it's just worth pointing to like those as, as we're differentiating like all these different aspects of how gender expresses so it could be that somebody that is calling themselves gender fluid they're it's possible that they're just exploring and expanding both of their born sides mm -hmm. and it's also possible that their internal core essence is so is it was they were born with such close amounts that they're that's why they're expressing in that way mm. thank you i love that so let's talk about um we had started to talk about all oh, the steps of figuring out we had started to talk about that before we went back into um talking about river rafting so when someone is trying to figure out that core essence let's say that someone listening to this is thinking this is really resonating with me, but I'm not sure what direction to go or how to figure this piece out. Well, it would just be about exploring and experimenting because, and you know, it, it could be interesting to get some feedback from your friends and community as well. Sometimes, well, we can never see ourselves, right? Right. Ever. But we see our reflections of ourselves back through the people that we know. Mm -hmm. um, it would just be about like, you know, jump in, dive in, like, you know, just go experience life. If you are curious about anything, like go, yeah. <laughs> put yourself in a situation, you know, follow, follow, you know, anything that's interesting to you and, and you'll be shown, you know, if, if you really want to know what your internal essence is like, and you know, there's also my partner and I, we are doing we're doing some events in santa barbara and at some point we'll be doing we'll be doing them in boulder uh, but that's specifically about about it's about gender polarity but it's also just about some somatic relational skills too so these workshops are very are really informative to you and i don't know there probably are other is there are probably are other stuff out there like that but specifically there are um workshops that that i'm hosting in santa barbara i've taken a break from doing the polarity ones and i'm i've switched over to doing the women only ones right now but i'll be going back to that mm -hmm. and that's something that they can find out more about on my website if we mention my website at the end of this oh yeah for sure but I would just say, just jump in. Like you can't, these one of these things that you can't figure out with your head. Mm -hmm. You can't sit down and think and problem solve this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just can't. You, it takes a full body experience mm. with you, with people using all of their parts. And then eventually it is, everything is revealed, everything. And when you see th things, it's, they're so obvious that you were be like, well, why didn't I see that before? I mean, it's all, it's all, 
things are invisible until they're not, you know? And so before we move on to a couple of the other ones, let me ask you this. So with your personal evolution and then coming to love Evelyn, which is so, so obvious every time I'm around you, do you ever look back and, and think, has that been there or did I evolve into it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that I, I don't think I necessarily, ev I have been evolving. So that is true. I think that myself, you know, years before meeting Evelyn, I would not have been able to recognize her as, as the full masculine person that she is because I was still experiencing the masculine in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I had some ideas of what I thought the masculine was that, that would, and some of it was, um, like it, you know, it had to have big shoulders, you know, it had to be dark and handsome. And, and I've had a lot of that. Like I've had some awesome men, boyfriends and partners over the years, like incredible. I've also had paid my, <laughs> also had some not so good ones. So I've definitely paid my dues in that direction too. But I think because I was able to perceive Matt Evelyn in a particular way that I, I grew into that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, 10 years before meeting Evelyn, I, I don't think she would have registered for me in that way as a man. But as you evolve, your tastes change and what you perceive changes. And I love your explanation of this because I think also as you were explaining it, I'm thinking when I, as soon as I asked the question and even before that second, before you started answering, I thought, you know, I think this answer could go either direction because yes, I agree with you. It could have evolved and Evelyn wouldn't even have looked to you then as she looks to you now because of mm -hmm. your own journey and your own path and your own growth. Right. I could have also easily heard from you. Yes, I did recognize that stuff in myself, but I didn't know what to do with it or it wasn't time or, you know, everything surrounded me did not support that. So I can see the evolution of either one of right. them. Right. And with Evelyn, it was just like this blind, like I'm, I'm so oriented towards the masculine as my polar opposite that it was as if I had to let my body orient, it, orient me, not my brain and my ideas. And I had to lose the obsession about the physicality around it, mm -hmm. the, of it, of it being a certain way. And so, which has its own rewards, <laughs> because, because as a side note, I will have to throw in that, you know, some straight men should like really be taking classes from gay women. Like, you know, like if they really want to up their skill set, they might be looking in the wrong places and it might just so be as easy as seeing what the gay women are doing. Well, and I think that comes from a place of where the men think that they should be in their ego of, I know exactly how to prove Right. And once like I've had some great hunky boyfriends where I've had great sex and great physicality and they were taller than me and big shoulders and like a lot of the things that women pine for. Mm -hmm. And once you've had that, I think it's easier to give it up because of what else I'm getting. And because with Evelyn, what I'm getting is 
a whole masculine force that penetrates me with her whole body energetically all the way through. Like a lot of the straight men that I've been, I'll just say straight, I'm misusing the very words that I'm trying to advocate against. So just, <laughs> um, these ordinary men per se, which are fantastic, like they're relying so much on their penis and so much on their raw physicality that they haven't developed other parts of themselves energetically. Like they haven't developed their heart, their humor, their, their masculine capacity for consciousness that's not narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm getting with Evelyn. Like she, it was, she, her at her core, she is a man. And she had to learn and to, to be and survive as that, even in the face of nobody recognizing her as a man, not even perceiving half of her gifts, <laughs> not even giving her credit for the, her masculine gifts that she gives to the room. Well, because I think you know, so and so she, and she gives it anyways. Yeah. And that is very attractive. Like it's, it's like ultimately like as you evolve and your tastes change, you're drawn towards something that's not self-possessed and narcissistic. Like you're just drawn towards the pure essence and force of that person mm. beyond anything else. And so it's not like at some point I changed and considered this other thing. It's like the way that it worked out for me is like, I'm oriented towards the masculine and this is the best source of masculine that I've been able to find like beyond the body, like if putting the body aside, you know, then like the quality of attention that comes from her is, is worth it. And I mean, she has a beautiful body <laughs> too. Like, you know, physically, like, you know, there's no, she has a beautiful ex exquisite body. So it's not like I'm saying her body, you know, is subpar because <laughs> it's not it's just I know that it, it's not in a masculine form and I'm saying so what because look what else I'm getting and and I had to let go of my own ego in claiming that because initially it was like oh my god like you know I ran into some of this some of this own stuff personally when I when I met her and and you know we had our our first our first um, event together. <laughs> so it's like, oh my God, but I can't be with that because I'm, I'm like this. And this will mean that I'll never be that like, you know, that storybook wedding top, you know, yeah. couple looking. And I had to let go of that. I'd be like, you know, like that's not how love and the masculine is showing up for me. And, you know, something, something better is. <laughs> and I think I, I love that you are diving into this part of the relationship because I mean you know relationships have like we've been talking about have so many different aspects and components of it and for you to be able to consciously first of all realize that your idea of the masculine and of a man you know you've said broad shoulders and tall and dark has come in so many times because Evelyn is not so that no. whole physicality is something that you have worked through personally. Of right. And like I said, if I hadn't have had plenty of it, plenty of it, I probably couldn't have let that go and traded it off for Evelyn. Yeah. <laughs> like I still would have needed more of that, but like I, I've, I've had my, I feel complete yeah. in that way. And she, Evelyn's like, 
for being small, she's still really strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's that's, still that's really that, strong. Is that she is. And so you have through your own process and through your own work have totally let go of what you've been conditioned and what society has said right. your perfect mate or, you know, however right. you want to label it, um, says that you should be attracted to because Evelyn is a small frame. Right. I know when people meet her, they're like, Oh, I thought you were going to be bigger. <laughs> like she's heard, she's heard that, heard that so many times. And she's always like right. puffs herself up and she's like, I am big. I'm being yeah. like, and she is like energetically. She's huge. Energetically she <laughs> completely fills the room with her energy and with her presence. And it's awesome because it's a subtle presence, but equally a big presence. So however right. tag that, um, right. But for, but for women who are looking for a man to show up, like in that other way, Trump-like, let's say, you know, right. like if they're looking for things for the masculine to register in that way, they're going to completely miss, you know, this, this other more gentle and more ominous masculine force. And, and it's about, ultimately, it's just about, you know, going and moving from your inside out, almost, you know, Helen, Helen Kellering every moment. Like we have to learn to let our bodies and our insides like perceive the world than, than what these, you know, these isolated minds and pro projections are doing. Cause we're ruining it. Like yeah. we're, we're minimizing the possibilities. Mm. Mm. Um, all right. Two other points that you wanted to talk about. Be wary of the prison, which I think we've talked about of masculine and feminine cult Right, um, we touched on that. And the judgments that you've bumped into. Well, um, well, there just, I think we, t we touched on that, you know, it's just, there's a grain of, there's truth in everything. And it is, and it is really important to recognize masculine and feminine forces in the world because we're swimming in it and it, it's what this world is made of. And we need to also not allow those, those, um, the things that we've learned from that to imprison us and to like make us have to be and look a certain way. Like we're, we're, we're stuck in our own realization. That's only half the realization when we, when we look at it that way. Do you feel like you are here to make big changes in this arena? Well, certainly. Absolutely. <laughs> Sure. I mean, it, all of us want to make, want to impact the world in a positive way. And I think we're all here to do big stuff if, if we, if we let ourselves do it. Yeah. Because I think the more that you talk, the more I just keep feeling like there should be a bigger platform that you are expressing this because knowledge is power. You know, the more that we learn about you and Evelyn, the more that we can see and, and the whole story that you have created for us and the, um, the research that you have done for yourself equally flows over into everyone else that knows you and then, then gets to hear your story. It's an awakening movement. For us. It is. And, it, and it's, 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 it's a whole somatic field and it's just a whole, it is. And, but ultimately knowledge isn't something that you can just like, is an object that you can just like hand somebody like what I've learned is that it, 
it, it's about everybody has to have their own experiences and discover things themselves before it's their knowledge. And so that's why the platform that I use is, are these workshops that I've started doing in Santa Barbara and that I'm going to start doing soon again in Boulder that because they're all experience based because we, I mean, we could all just sit and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and ultimately it just evaporates. But if we can provide a, a learning environment where we do really interesting things with each other, very specific exercises and inquiries, then it's like the whole room becomes a laboratory and we can, each individual can learn exactly what they need to learn in the order that they need to learn it, learn to understand themselves and their life. And so that's why I've dedicated myself specifically to, um, to the work that I'm doing. If yeah that I've just mentioned. Yeah, so please plug away <laughs> your workshops, both in Santa Barbara and in Boulder, which I'm super excited. I mean, it'll be perfect timing whenever it comes, you bring it back out to Boulder. So yes, let's hear it. Yeah. Well, so um, it's my website is embodiedharmonics.com. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna put that in the show notes. Yep. Um, and tell, so your workshops, how often are you doing the workshops? I'm doing them monthly right now. And that's in Santa Barbara. And that's in Santa Barbara. And the dates are still coming in Boulder. But I've, I've got my venue worked out. So it's just a matter of, of so yeah, it's, all, it's all in the works. Okay, good. And so um, our listeners can find all of the information at embodiedharmonics.com. I have loved this. Me too. Yeah, I'm so glad we decided to do this again. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to my producer, Margaret Spencer. You can learn more at taradavis.me. Catch this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Any information we talked about today will be in our show notes. While you're there, be sure to click on the subscribe button so you'll always have the latest episode ready to go. And remember to share this with your friends. The more we expand our thinking and our world, the more we can affect change. I'll see you next week.